could teach all eight-year-old kids all over the world at the same time how to meditate and reach, connect to their hearts, that would be the end of violence. And I, I strongly believe that is true. So we all know that when you point one finger this way, three of them points towards yourself, and that's the same for parenting at bedtime. So slowly understanding how our energy at bedtime is affecting our children is, is key. So it doesn't matter what kind of child you meet on the other side of the door. It's how you enter the room. It's you. It's the parents' energy that makes the whole difference. That's why when we're yelling at our children and we keep repeating the same things, it's not working because they don't hear the words. They just read this angry energy and they don't like it and they start hiding. If you work really hard now, you'll have time later. And as we all know, time never comes back and the people become more and more sick and frustrated and angry as they are robbed of their time. Understand that the time they have with their children is going to be one of the most magical parts of their life. So don't waste it and don't miss out on it. Be with your child and, and learn from your child and hear the song and the music of the universe together with your child. If you're connected, if you're disconnected, it's hard to parent. If you're connected to your heart, it's easy to parent. Welcome to Denmark Real. My name is Amar. With me today is Gide Vindal Graugo. Gide, you are a best-selling author of many books in more than 20 countries. You specialize with peaceful bedtime routines. Welcome to you, Gide. Thank you so much. Thank you. Gide, what, what force lies behind the, all these books and all this meditation for kids? When I, when I read it, it was, it was fascinating. It's a very, very different approach of mindfulness and meditation for the younger ones. I believe that children today grow up in a society on speed. And when I became a mother myself, I saw that my children were growing up under different circumstances than I did when I was a child. And I felt a deep desire to help them navigate through life, uh, learn how to connect to their hearts and understand all the beauty that they have inside. So with social media, with screens all over, they very quickly learn to react to what they see and what's in front of them instead of understanding what's inside of them. And to me, mindfulness and meditation have been very powerful tools to understand what I have inside and how to bring my beauty to the world from the inside. And I just had this very strong feeling that that was what I was going to write books about to open up to the inner landscapes of children and teach them how to navigate from their hearts. <laughs> That's so beautiful, it is. What, is. what is the mission now? Where are we heading? Uh, seeing the effect that these books have on uh, the first thousands of families and children, I'm now aiming at teaching one million children to meditate and how to fill their hearts with love. The mission is growing. <laughs> <laughs> Still very, very beautiful. I love it. it. How should we start if we are a parent that wants to want to jump into this? Where should we where should we start? Well, picking up a book at the library or from a bookstore would be a good help to understand the first parts of the puzzle around bedtime and how to 
parent peacefully around bedtime is, is uh, understanding the difference between pointing at your child and saying, my child can't sleep, my child won't sleep, my child isn't tired. My child doesn't want to cooperate at bedtime. That's what I often hear from the first approach from a parent. And then to understand that it's in our energy as parents that we help our children to sleep. So we all know that when you point one finger this way, three of them points towards yourself and that's the same for parenting at bedtime. So slowly understanding how our energy at bedtime is affecting our children is, is key. Yeah, because I, I see that many parents are stressed and in a rush, everything has to be optimized more if, in, in a more effective, productive, productive, productive way. So what advice do you have for these parents that are always busy, that, that the response they will give you is they are busy to do this? But it is actually efficient to meditate with your child at bedtime because if you don't and if you struggle with your child, most parents know that it will take one, two, three hours every night. If you do this, it might take minutes. And in addition, by doing what I'm teaching, you, you create a mindful room with your child full of love. So you also create a very loving ending to your child's day that will maybe make you reflect a little bit about why you are so busy in the first place. But it is, it is saving you time in, in the bedroom. It's saving a lot of stress. It's saving a lot of uh, conflict with your child. And that's actually where I'm most passionate about changing things is in the relationships between parent and children. So even though we are busy, I'm not saying that all moms should stay at home and, and, and not work and all of that, but if we choose to work, both of us, we should at least try to make the time we have with our children as pleasant as possible. And that comes with us being as present as possible while we parent and not have our minds on everything else we need to do. So we have, let's say from four o'clock in the afternoon until eight o'clock in the evening. And the main focus should be on the child because that's only four hours a day. The rest of the day you can work and you can think about work, but from four to eight every in, in like during the week, uh, your focus should be on being present for your child. And I know it's a struggle, but we can practice, can't we? <laughs> it is. It is. I, some parents are actually very, very good at it. From, like I said, from, from four or five, you cannot reach them. They are out of, out of the grid. And that is beautiful, actually. That's very, very beautiful. That's very beautiful. That's how it should be, but it's, it's, yeah. it's difficult. It is, it is, it is, especially when we have to think about every minute we are spending right now. Uh, but like, like you said, it's more effective in the long run. It, well, it goes for everything because it starts at, with trouble at bedtime. That's usually when parents find me, my child can't sleep. And we know that the trouble we see at bedtime are usually indications of imbalances in children. So when we begin to heal these imbalances and when we begin to teach them how to sleep and they sleep more as well, we all know that well-rested children are so much easier to handle than children who haven't slept enough. And that the same goes for us. I, I, I know I'm affected if I'm not sleeping enough over a period of time. 
So understanding how sleep affects us uh, on a daily basis is very important, but also understanding how this way of parenting affects our relationship with our child, because having a peaceful uh, relationship with a child is so much more fulfilling for the parent as well. So I like myself much better when I parent peacefully than when I yell at my children. And, and understanding how that whole thing is a circle is very important as well. And it, it can just be small steps every day. It doesn't have to be the full, full scale from the beginning. It's, it's conscious, peaceful parenting is something you grow into. How should parents deal with a child that are difficult? They call, they call the person, both a boy or a girl, difficult, difficult to put them to bed especially if, if they started on these books and the child is not that comfortable, the parents are not that comfortable with it? Well, the first thing I would ask a parent who comes to me is, what is your feeling when you begin bedtime with your child? So imagine a parent walking into a child's room, standing outside the room, just pausing for a minute and just look at that parent who has been struggling for weeks or months or years with this child's bedtime, how would the energy be walking into the room? Most likely it would be, okay, I'm ready for the battle, or this is going to be so exhausting. I don't want to do this. Another battle. Uh, so the energy of that parent will most likely be uh, low energy, full of um, frustration, maybe anger, despair, um, not knowing what to do. Then imagine a parent who understands this method and stands in front of the door and starts with tapping into the love uh, he or she has for her child, understanding that when I enter the room, it's going to be in a loving vibration and I'm going to keep that vibration throughout the whole bedtime, no matter how long it takes in the beginning. I'm going to keep focusing on my love for my child and my desire to help my child. And I know that I can help my child. If you walk into the room with that energy, everything changes. So it doesn't matter what kind of child you meet on the other side of the door. It's how you enter the room. It's you. It's the parent's energy that makes the whole difference. So when I do this, and I've done this, my girls are now 11 and 14, and we began when they were three and six. And when I do this for them, it feels like I open up a space in front of my body, in my energy. And I fill that space with love and calmness and peace, whatever they need. And I'm present when I walk into the room and I just share that energy with them. And it feels like they, they crawl into that energy space. It feels like they get a hug in the energy and they understand that, okay, it's time for bed. It is time for me to relax. It's time for me to sleep. And then they peacefully fall asleep within minutes often. And this even when they were very young. So the whole, it's a whole different way of thinking about your child at bedtime because your child does want to sleep. Sleep is very natural for our children. Think of them as babies. They sleep a lot. They sleep most of the day. They know how to sleep. They came here knowing how to sleep. Somehow they got disconnected from a natural way of sleeping. And by yelling at them, discussing with them, being angry at them, we're not helping them. 
reconnect to how it's natural to sleep. We have to provide a loving, peaceful energy, like we did when they were babies, by the way. We didn't start yelling at them when they were two weeks old and they didn't sleep. We wanted to help them. That energy we need to come back to when the kids are a little older and they start verbalizing their frustration. It sounds so lovely when you talk about it because you're you are making a lovely space for them. You are making a safe space for them and you invite them into that. That sh it should be like that always. It should, it, I, I couldn't imagine that it, it is different like than that, but it is. It is different than that. It, it is like the, the parents get tired of the kid after a while and it, it, where, did we go to, where did we go wrong? What's happening? It, it, we started navigating from our heads instead of our hearts. So when we're busy, we go up into the, into the brain and especially if we're stressed out, amygdala uh, creates different reactions in the brain. And we, we react different to our child than we would have if we had all, think about a vacation. You have all the time in the world. You're much more patient. You don't have a thousand things you have to do. You spend time to try to understand your child. You connect with your child in a different way. And you, have, you allow yourself to have the time to be with your child on a vacation. So that's when you connect to your heart again. So, so, it, so it is when we start calculating too much. It's when we are busy. It's uh, when we're up in our brains and we start to argument uh, from an adult perspective. I told you 10 times now you have to go to bed or you will be so tired in the morning and I can't get you off, up, out of your bed in the morning. It's rationalization. It's adult way of thinking that doesn't work with children. So when you hear yourself arguing with your child at bedtime, you know you're up in your brain and you know it's time to reconnect your heart because this is not the place where children can sleep. In their heart energy, they can sleep. And everything else becomes much easier when you're a parent if you're connected to your heart. Because that, that's what the children know. They, they grew up in love. They grew up when they're infants. We were, it's so easy to love them. It's so easy to hold them. We have them close to us. And then as they grow up and get into school or kindergarten, they slightly move away from us and we slightly move up into our heads and we start to argue with them instead of holding them and loving them. Is there a period of time where we should let go and not and start arguing with, argue with them because it's, it's, it seems that we started too early? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, many, many uh, child psychologists will say, stop uh, arguing with your child and show direction. And in this, this sense, I'm showing a loving direction for my child. And I'm just repeating, you are tired and I want to help you to sleep. I'm not arguing that whether or not it's another half hour or I'm not giving thousands of arguments for why they need to sleep or what happens the next day. Or I'm just saying it's time for bed and I'm providing a loving time just before bedtime so that actually makes my children say to me can I go to bed now so my children have since they were very young come and said to me I want to go to bed even though we had people or friends over for, for dinners or we were at parties they came and say it's time for me to sleep now and they like they like going to sleep they like going into their hearts and understanding that okay the gate to dreamland goes through my heart and if I'm here and I'm providing them, maybe let's say we are at a party 
let's say there are 40, 60 people at the party and we're sleeping somewhere. Let's say I go with them for 10 minutes. I come back to the party and my kids are happily asleep. And I can rejoin the party. It doesn't take me two, three hours. But when I'm there, I'm present with them. And I'm connected to my heart. I'm not busy going down back into the party room or spending, like, I, I spend the time that's necessary with them. But usually it's only five or ten minutes. So it doesn't matter. But our children at bedtime should be a loving, calm, peaceful time together. And if it is, it doesn't take long. That's, that's the whole magic of it. It, like I said, it sounds so lovely. It sounds so peacefully. It is not a fight going to bed every night. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't remember. I, I I can't think of anybody who would love a fight going to bed. Not even you know. Think think about in in a in a, um, an adult relationship in in in, in a marriage. Uh, I remember when I got married to my husband. My father-in-law said never said said to us never let the sun set on an argument, settle your arguments before you go to bed. So why would we yell about our children as the sun is setting? It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Especially those, those, those young ones that we love, that, and we are not showing them that love. When I, ask, when I ask, let's say my mother actually, how she treats my little sister, at, she's 12 now, and she said, but I know I love her, but I said, mom, it is not about that you are showing her something different. And maybe there's a missing connection there. Yes, because the child uh, doesn't hear what we say. The child taps into what we um, emits in our emotions. And if you think about a child who is, before he or she has a language, and you, you, maybe you're carrying a, an infant uh, and you walk into a room that you don't like. You will pull yourself together and you'll walk into the room. Maybe let's say you're dropping off your kid at kindergarten the first weeks and many parents really don't like dropping their children off at kindergarten or at a daycare. So the parent becomes anxious. The parent is full of... Um, bad consciousness, like different things affecting the parent's mood, doesn't like to say goodbye. Uh, and all of those emotions start boiling up in the parent as the minutes before she has to give the child over to the caregiver. And she smiles and she says, everything's going to be all right. But inside, she's boiling with all these crazy emotions and the child feels it instantly and starts crying because you can't hide your emotions from your child because they are so, when they come here and they, they are so small and so uh, fragile, they are so dependent on us. And the first thing they understand is our energy before they understand the words that we speak. So understanding the energy of a parent is so important for their survival. And that's why I call them master detectives in energy, because they have to understand, they have to analyze us in order to get food, to get uh, diapers changed, to be helped to sleep and all of that. So we can't hide our emotions from our children. So if your mother is saying, I love her, I love her, but she's emitting fear or anger or whatever, 
it's it's not it that's what your your sister is reading she's reading the energy rather than understanding the words and we know from science that if we speak in big words if we are yelling if we're arguing if we're discussing with negative emotions fueling the discussion we know that the children actually closes their ears and only see us at these but they just see the rage coming out of us and they if you ask a child afterwards what were the words spoken they won't be able to uh, tell you but they will say she looked like a monster or it felt like fire or she was like a volcano or they 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 haven't heard the words and that's why when we're yelling at our children and we keep repeating the same things it's not working because they don't hear the words they just read this angry energy and they don't like it and they start hiding so it's the responsibility of the adult to take this task and do 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 something about it because always. it the is responsibility of the parent always it's never the child never there's nothing wrong with our children you told me I I understood in, in one of your interviews with um, Bruce Cryer that the children are the teachers. The child know know these things. You are actually not not teaching them something new. They know that. Yes. The children come here with a very strong heart connection, and Bruce Cryer is the former CEO of the HeartMath Institute in the U.S. and they measure what it means to have a strong contact to your heart. And you can actually measure the heart rate variability in the heart. So when you're a frustrated parent, your heart rate is different. So it's it's not the pulse, it's the, the time between the pulsation. And they can measure that. And if, if you're relaxed and you are appreciative of your child, you have a calm heart rate variability. Whereas if you're frustrated, it goes ding, 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 ding varies a lot in its rhythm. Um, and they have studied multiple ways that a calm heart rate variability <clears throat> is beneficial for us in our communication, not only with our children, with each other at work and, and in so many different uh, circumstances. So this is all of what I've said is, is scientifically proven by HeartMath Institute and, and what Bruce Cryer and other people from the Institute and what we are discussing is that the children often have a calm heart rate variability from nature. So the stress and everything else that are affecting us from as we grow up will make us have a less calm heart rate variability. But if we look at the children, if you look at a child sitting calm, calmly, peacefully, mindfully playing with his Lego or building blocks or drawing, they have this all natural, uh, very calm heart rate variability, and they are naturally mindful. They even can sit in nature and meditate without even knowing what meditation is. And that's why I love working with children, because they're amazing meditators, really. I don't need to teach them much, they know. Uh, whereas adults, they have a lot of um, questions before they allow themselves to meditate. Yeah, I think I think it, we have built so many layers of understanding, of analyzing everything around us, uh, and we are not allowing ourselves and our body to connect directly. Um, is there a way to connect with the heart that people could start right away, of from today? Yes, it's very easy actually, because one of our natural 
forces is our uh, ability to love. So if, do you want to try it? Should we try it? Yes, yes, we could do that. Okay. So what we want to do is we want to start focusing on our breathing and we especially like nose breathing. So we want to breathe in through our nose and maybe out through our mouth. Maybe if you are ready, you can close your eyes for a moment. This, this won't take very long. And then you just start focusing on the air in your nose and in your throat going down into your lungs. This nose is the sensation of breathing here. Maybe feeling a little gratitude for being alive and being able to breathe being healthy, being safe. And then you can put your hand on your heart. Like that, yes. And then as you breathe in, you imagine that you're breathing in through your hands and out through your hands. So it's a heart breath. And as you connect to your heart and the whole organ of the heart, you become grateful for your heart and everything it does for you every minute of the day, keeping you alive. Pumping blood into your body, cleansing it. And then you begin to think about a person that you really love, someone who is very dear to you. And you begin to imagine this person as you keep breathing in and out through the heart. Maybe you can picture the person now. And then try to feel how it feels to give this person a hug, a warm hug. And just feel into the emotion really feel the emotion and spread this emotion into your body. This is your heart shining. So maybe everything becomes a little brighter now. And just spread this light from your heart into your body, helping your busy head and all the way down in your stomach, down into your feet arms and your hands, spread it in the whole body as you keep thinking about this person you love. And then send some warm wishes now to this person. What do you wish to say? What do you wish to communicate to this person? Just say them quietly in your mind now. Send them over to this person. And just feel this strong connection. And keep breathing. And when you're ready, 
it's time to come back. Open your eyes. <sighs> That's a heart connection. It's very, very relaxing. Yes. It is. And this is also what you can do when you're when you can't sleep. So this little exercise is brilliant for adults to fall asleep with. And you can even see, I can see the difference in your appearance on the screen from before and after. You can often see it in the eyes. The eyes are more shining. That's the mirror of the soul. So when we're connected to our hearts, we also get a connection to our soul and who we really are. We are love and light. And that emits up through our eyes. So I think that's so beautiful. When I meditate with a group, big group online, I take a picture when they begin and then I take one when we come out of meditation and you can just see these big, beautiful eyes shining. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so that is, that is the force behind it. That is the mission to ignite more people. That's it. And when you are there, most, most people don't want to come out of a meditation like that. They just want to stay there a little longer. So we could ask some questions while we are there. We could ask, what am I most passionate about? What is my purpose in life? How should I spend my days? How many hours should I be away from my child? Is this something I can do to spend more time with the people I love the most? How do I want to parent? What is the way I want to say goodnight to my children? How is it I want our arguments to go about? It's not, it's not this whole peaceful conscious parenting is not about avoiding conflict. There will always be conflict when we have children. It's how, how we handle the conflict and with what kind of energy we parent uh, in, in a conflict. So what, is, what are the use of meditation? Because I know there's a lot of people that wouldn't touch meditation because it sounds so fluffy and so, yeah. I would call it a reconnection. Reconnection to your heart, reconnection to your God, reconnection to spirit. Uh, to me, it's not about religion, but it could be for some. That would also be all right. Reconnection to whatever you believe in, but reconnection to your values, reconnecting to your beliefs, reconnection to your hope, your trust, reconnection to peace, reconnection to love. Uh, it, it has many words, many names. Why do you want to have your books translated to many languages? Because I'm, I'm teaching children how to stay connected to their hearts and they need the, the parents to be able to read it in, in their uh, local languages. And also uh, what is beautiful about these many languages is that I'm contacted by mothers, usually mothers, who um, have read my book in either of the languages that are available now, English, Spanish, Norwegian and Arabic coming up. Um, so they have read it in one of those languages and they say, I really want to read it to my child in my mother tongue. Uh, and that indicates that the language we heard first uh, has a connection to our hearts. So the language we grew up with when we were children, when we had a strong heart connection, also is the language that we best express our love in. And that's why they want it to be in their mother tongue with their uh, specific details in their languages, expressing how much they love their children. And also because they tap into the same vibration as I do. And I did when I thought, okay, I got to spread this wisdom. 
I have to help many more parents help their children to sleep like this. So these mothers who want to translate the book into their mother tongue also think the same thing. The children in my, from my home country should be able to fall asleep like this as well. So they tap into the same, this, this is so important to teach our children how to stay connected to their hearts or reconnect if they have lost their connection to their hearts, as some children sadly have. But yes, they, all some... know, they all know how to reconnect. I haven't yet taught, I haven't yet taught a class where I thought, here's a child who can't do it. Some children need to get used to this method. And some children have a harder time coming into themselves and like connecting to feelings inside that are maybe hard to connect to because they have seen things they shouldn't have seen, experienced things that children shouldn't have experienced um, because their parents don't have a strong heart connection because they live in environments that are not healthy. Um, for so many reasons and 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 if you think about it in a global perspective children grow up under, under very hard circumstances in some places of the world so maybe they've just forgotten in an early age but as they are still children they have a memory of it that is more fresh than if you start meditating when you're 50. so if you meditate when you're eight and you have seen a lot of trouble in the world you still remember in a different way than if you have lived a whole life in trouble and you're 50 and now you want to start meditating. So that's why the Dalai Lama says if every eight-year-old in the world would learn to meditate, we would uh, eliminate violence within one generation. If we could teach all eight-year-old kids all over the world at the same time how to meditate and reach, connect to their hearts, that would be the end of violence. And I, I strongly believe that is true. So I'm, I'm reaching out to the first million children to help them. That, that must be my mission. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this channel and all the, all the places you are sharing your books and your short meditations, I watched some of you on YouTube, could contribute to that. Because it's a very, very lovely message and mission. And thank you for are... providing for me to do yeah. it. Thank you. Who are the gray men? Oh, the gray men. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> Momo is a story by an amazing author who has passed away. But in 1973, Michael Ender from Germany uh, wrote Momo, uh, the book about Momo, who is a kid, a lovely kid without parents who grow up uh on her own as an orphanage as an orphan in an orphanage and she decides to move into a small italian village and she lives in this theater uh amphitheater and and she becomes friends with adults and children in the, in in this uh, village and they have a lovely time together with lots of music and singing dancing and playing and everybody loves to talk to Momo because she has so much time. So and she's a very good listener. And when they talk to her, the problems sort of vanish. But then one day the gray men come to the village and they, um, they are very busy and they are very gray and they smell cigars. 
and they are trying to steal the time away from the people. So they no longer dance, sing, play, have fun. They no longer come to Momo to just hang out and, and just have a good time. They become very busy in their everyday life. Um, and they rob more and more time from people. They, they persuade them to invest time in the future. So if you work really hard now, you'll have time later. And as we all know, time never comes back. And the people become more and more sick and frustrated and angry as they are robbed of their time. And then I, I don't want to give uh, too much away of this book. You should definitely read it because then Momo sets out on the quest to bring back the stolen time to people. And uh, I strongly uh, connect with her because in many ways I, I, I'm working for the same mission to help parents understand that the time they have with their children is going to be one of the most magical parts of their life. So don't waste it and don't miss out on it. Be with your child and, and learn from your child and hear the song and the music uh, of the universe together with your child. It's so lovely that when that, that your child knows that you're frustrated and they get you to read the book for them. That's that's something different. Yeah. Yeah. They can come and pick up the book and say, can we read this now? <laughs> it's very, very, very lovely. I can't really describe um, how lovely it is in so many ways in, in how you are with your children. And I just wish for more parents to have this joy. And it doesn't really take much, as we just saw. I don't know how long we meditated for, but I would say it would be on, under five minutes. So if you do that exercise before you go into the room and you connect with your child and you imagine your child and your love for your child, the way you enter the room will be so different. And the same goes if, if they have a messy room or they left all the dishes at the sink or whatever, how can you communicate with them in a, in a vibe that is loving, but you still parent? So it's not avoiding conflict. It's not avoiding parenting. I parent every day, but I do it with a strong heart connection. And that means that I don't have to argue much. I don't have to convince my children about they should help out or take part in our family uh, tasks. They want to help because they feel that they are part of a group. They are part of the family and, and they, they, they are valued as parts of the family. Their help is needed and, and valued because I believe that they, their contribution to our little community and our family is very important. But there are many there are many aspects to peaceful uh, conscious parenting and i just uh, wish that more parents knew about it i wish that too i wish that too which which of your books should we start with if if a parent would would go on a quest and want to start reading i just i have the danish uh, version here but this is in my the heart children's meditations in my heart <clears throat> would be a very good uh, place to start. We have four uh, meditations inside this book. And this is also, this is a book called The Sleep Book because it, this is one of the books that help the children to sleep. So um, there are four meditations inside. And in the first one, you teach your child to fill his or her heart with love by themselves so they can do it 
wherever they are, whenever they need to do it, but it's very nice to do, like we just did at bedtime. And then in the second, you talk about the love you have for each other. So you create a very strong bond uh, to your child and they understand more of your love. So this would be when your mother would tell your sister how much she loves her without anything attached to it. She would actually feel her love and say it at the same time. And then your sister would believe it and, and hear it. And then in the third, because uh, so many children are separated from their parents for so many reasons throughout the day, either because of work or divorce or traveling parents or sick parents or something, we teach them that they always have a little um, love cloud. So the third one has a little cloud to it, cloud up here. It's very important to understand for many children because it means that when I'm <clears throat> sorry, but when we're away from our children, uh, when we're away from our children, we still think about them, and all our love ends up in the cloud. And the child can, if she has one of these, she pulls it out from her bag and she squeezes it, and she knows that my mom is with me, even though she's at work, or even though I'm living with dad this week, or I'm away on camp, or whatever. So they feel connected, even though we are separate. And then in the fourth, this one, I teach them to send that, that same feeling into the universe, to create a feeling of uh, being connected with the universe and with people we don't know, to meet the world with an open heart, to meet people and children, especially in other countries who aren't as fortunate as we are to have a, a loving, a caring, a safe environment around our family and to send some love and healing to them uh, as they go through whatever they have to go through. So it, it's gradually talking about love as an energy that can travel between people. So I have love for myself. I have love for my parent. I am loved even though my parent isn't here and I can send love into the universe. So that's the best one to start with. Um, and it's also uh, the first one that was translated to these many, many uh, languages. Yeah. Okay. Where should we go from here? Any advice? Any, any last words? Just, I would just, uh, if you sit here and you watch this interview, I just ask you when it's when we are done to just close your eyes and, and feel how this whole message resonates in your in you, and feel how connected you feel to your heart. How often do you feel your emotions? Like we just did in the meditation, is this something that is speaking to you? And if it is, go find one of the books or or follow me on um, social media or on my blog so that you can learn more about conscious, peaceful parenting. Because these things are not new. It, it is not something we just found out. It's, it is, have been there for thousands of years. Gratitude, meditation, and how to connect with yourself. And we just missed that. We just disconnected. Exactly. And if we're disconnected, there are so many things that become so much more uh, difficult than when we are connected. Sleep is one of them. If you're disconnected, it's hard to fall asleep. If you're connected, if you're plugged into your heart, it's easy to fall asleep. Child as adult. If you're connected, if you're disconnected, it's hard to parent. If you're connected to your heart, it's easy to parent. It's, it's very simple. <laughs> Yet many people don't know about it.
No, because ev- everything is a struggle, especially parenting, getting them to sleep, getting the, th- getting the child to do something for, for themselves or for the child or for the home. It's a struggle and it shouldn't be like that. No, and, and you tap into something important because if you leave your child in other people's care for many hours a day, he is already doing a lot of things on his own because uh, the daycare offer we have in, in Denmark right now is not good enough to take care of his needs all through the day. So he has been doing a lot of things on his own. And if you come home and you don't have time for him and you ask him to do a lot of things on his own, it's just too much. And it was already at lunch too much for him. And that's why he got into conflict at the end of the day in daycare. And that's why he's angry when he comes home. And that's why he doesn't want to do all these things on his own because he's not old enough to do so many things on his own that he's doing every day. So you got to help him. You got to spend time with him. You got to show him that you are present in mind and heart uh, and help him. Um, And when he understands that he is helped and when he understands that he is loved, how children work is that they then want to show you that they can do it on their own. So they get so proud from having accomplished something. So let's say putting on your pants. If you say you have to do it on your own, you have to do it on your own. It's like, no, I can't do more on my own. I'm doing everything on my own because you're at work all day. Nobody's helping me. I'm doing so many things on my own. You don't even know how much I'm doing on my own. And I don't want to put these pants on. But if you're present, if you're loving while you teach them, and I want to show you how, and this is going to be nice for you to know how to put on your pants. He's going to come the next day and say, I know how to put on my pants. Yeah, now I show you how to put on your shirt. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds very lovely. I I hope that many, many parents will take this into account, that they will engage with themselves in order to engage with the with the kid and like you said this is take away all the time you fight with your child take away all the time you struggle in your parenting it takes hours when it's the struggle and it takes minutes when it's done in love it's it's mathematically if you think about time it doesn't really make sense it, it makes a lot more sense to just be loving when your parent be present and then everything goes so much faster so this is more productive and more effective. <laughs> it is. That you then want to spend more time with your child and you don't want bedtime to be over. It's a whole different story. We'll save that for another time. So you lay there after they sleep and you think, I wish she would have been awoke a little longer. She fell asleep very soon this evening. I didn't hear much of her magic. Uh, and you lay still with next to her and maybe you fill your own heart with love maybe you send love to your mother you miss or your partner in the living room and when you then enter the living room for a night with your partner it's in a totally different vibe because you just you're just laying there sending love into the living room before you enter it and then that relationship with your partner will be different as well and that whole evening will not be a struggle and then you go to bed and then you send love for yourself and then you fall asleep and then you're rested when you wake up in the morning and so is your child. And you say good morning and everybody's happy and it's going to be a lovely day. <laughs> it, it adds up. It adds up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. when I took all my training as mindfulness and, and energy instructor and all of my training I, I was very now we do mindfulness now we meditate and and after some time one of my kids said why don't we do mindfulness anymore 
And I said, we do it all the time. Now it's just not at a fixed time in the day. It's a mindful way of living. It's, 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 we do it all the time instead. It's lovely that the, that the kids knows that and they understand that. They it's so lovely. Well, they feel yeah. it. They are a massive detective, so they feel that mommy is happy when she's mindful. They like that yeah. and they mirror that. And they grow up knowing that this is how you can parent. So they become better parents when they themselves, they don't remember arguing, yelling, discussing, fighting. They remember love. They are not anxious. Because I think that is one of the problems these days. The kids that have bad feelings in their body or crunched on stomach pain and and go through their day with anxiety and though so this method will could could help them a lot in reconnecting and feeling their body and understanding themselves yes i have um i have another book i can show you this one is called the monster manual uh, it's also in danish for now it's for children who worry a lot and i wrote it with a psychologist who treat a lot of children with anxiety. And, and one of the method is again, child meditation. I'll just show you a picture of this beautiful girl, Simone. And she, yes. she reconnects to her heart and she spreads the light just like we did into our bodies. And especially right here in the solar plexus, a lot of children who have a lot of anxiety, they feel a lot of pain. Uh, they have this very tight knot sitting in their solar plexus. And when we start to shine our light into it and breathe into it, use our breath down into our stomachs, down through the solar plexus, when we start breathing through it, it, it's, it starts vibrating again and becomes softer. And the more soft and the more air that comes into it, the less it hurts. So the children actually learn how to use their breath and their love power to heal the pain they get from being anxious, which I also think is very beautiful. So we, have, we are having shallow breathing right now, usually, especially when we are anxious and the breath is very shallow. It's, it's, it's because you are anxious and, and if we go back in time, when we were anxious, usually there was a physical danger in front of us, like the lion. Uh, you had to run away from a lion. And in order to make you able to run fast, you needed to breathe in this shallow way to bring a lot of oxygen into your muscles so that you could run. And your brain would shut down and your digestion would shut down and you just run, right? Uh, flight mode. Um, and thinking that there might come a lion or there might come a monster or there might come terror or there might come corona into my family or my mom might get cancer or might die from me creates the same reaction in the brain as if it would have happened so the brain can't tell the difference between thinking about it and experiencing it so when you have a lot of fear in your everyday life your body will react in the same way as if the fear was there and that creates tension and a lot of uh, pain and not feeling very good uh, in your body. 
Yeah, because the, 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 the body is actually producing the same chemicals and we are actually getting, getting sick by just fear that are actually an illusion. It's not real. Yes, and that's what, that's what the book is about, making the child understand that this is your mind playing a trick on you. So there is a, a fear monster trying to tell you that a lot of things are going to go really bad when you go on camp or you go to school, if that's what you're afraid of. Afraid of. Um, and then we teach the parents different methods to help the child understand that we don't want to give that worry monster so much attention. We don't want it to um, dictate how we live our lives because then we're going to miss out on a lot of fun. Uh, it's stealing life away from us and we won't allow it to do so. We, we will battle it and we will train how to become courageous and the experience we get from step by step, seeing that we can overcome our fears will generate uh, more courage to, to take the next step and the next step and the next step. Those small steps. Yeah. We'll come back to school or we will learn how to go to camp with our friends or whatever we are afraid of. We don't want to let the worry monster steal our time away from our friends on camp so we can sit home and wait for everybody else to have fun and come back home and we, we missed out on it. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't allow the worry monsters to steal that experience away from us so we, we, we can get a little angry with it and say, I don't, you can't decide this for me. I decide. And in my heart, I feel I can do it. So I'll take small steps and I'll go to camp and I'll try my best to stay there overnight if that's the biggest trouble. And if I don't do it this time, next time I'll try again. I'll practice. Gide, thank you for being here with me. It was a lovely interview. And I hope that many people will I hope that many people will, will, could, could, be, could use this and make use of it. And start with those two books, start by feeling your heart and be grateful for, for everything you have and the things around you. Thank you, Gita. Thank you. Thank you.